name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with a belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. Today, I have the honor and privilege of chatting with four of my favorite dads, Ryan, Kyle, Garrett, and Caleb. Not only are these guys full-time dads, they're also full-time husbands and have full-time careers. Similar to the conversation I had with some of my favorite moms last year, I asked these dads how they strike a balance between kids, work, marriage, friends, God, and still find time for themselves. Or can you? Listen to these open, honest, encouraging dads and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. So I'm seated here with four of my favorite dads. Seated from left to right is Ryan, Kyle, Garrett, and Caleb. Um, It's been a challenge getting everybody together, but thank you very much for getting together. And um, the way I like to go and kick things off is to have you tell me a little bit about who you are, how many kids you have and their ages, and what your normal rhythm look like during the week as a dad. Or is there anything such as a normal rhythm? Hmm. Typically, I go from left to right. Ryan, are you comfortable with starting? Sure. All right. This time. That way, that way <laughs> it only gets better, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my name is Ryan Smith. I currently have a slightly older than two-year-old daughter. And I have uh, a son that will be coming the end of January. Um Despite my dream last night that Jamie said it was time for him to come now, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that was interesting. Um, but what does my rhythm look like in the mornings? That kind of depends on the morning, really. You know, do I get up at four ish in the morning to go do my F three outdoors men's free free for all men? free to lead, come out. And anyway, I do that uh, two or three times a week. Um, normal weeks, I might even, instead of do that, go to the gym itself, lift there, but then come back. Um, it also depends on if it's my work from home week or if it's my in the office week. Um, because if it's in the office, I can spend a little bit more time just, sorry, at home, spend a little bit more time kind of just relaxing before starting the day or uh, otherwise it's rush and get in the shower and everything and of course if Jamie's need, needs help with the dogs then they're kind of my responsibility if I'm there um, uh, Natalie still prefers mama over daddy so there's not much that I can really do with her in the morning still um, but I have a feeling that will be changing quite soon when a second one is there that I won't be able to do much with either but you know it's um, so far, that's kind of, I think, what my, what my rhythm looks like. So how important is it to find some sort of normal rhythm? You know, I do think for humans and children especially and myself, finding that rhythm will be important. Because um, I think people just respond better when it's a pattern instead of just changing every single day you know it could be different tomorrow than it is today um do you try to help get your daughter into a rhythm or do you find that you're pretty much kind of like responding more to to her she's the one who's driving the the daily or the weekly the pattern it's kind of a combination of all of that i mean sometimes Jamie will set the pattern, at least for the day, or, or 
Other times it's responding to Natalie. You know, this last week she's been sick, so we, there's been some things that are been off just a bit. Um, and then days that I, <clears throat> and there are some times that I kind of set the pattern, but again, we're still very just kind of up in the air day to day as we're trying to yeah. figure this thing out. And I, I, I could be mistaken when I say this, but I almost feel like with young children, it's a little bit more difficult to set that pattern and set that rhythm than it would be for those that have been, you know, preschool age, elementary school age. Um, but those that have children older than me might say, well, Ryan, now is the time to set that <laughs> rhythm. So, um, so we'll see. Yeah. Kyle, how about you? Name's Kyle Luters. I am the proud father of Nora, who is four, and Owen, who is a year and a half. Um, I would like to say that my wife, Monica, and I try as hard as we can to react and adjust to the kids for a normal routine. But I think the death of a normal routine in our minds has become an ever-present thought. Because you never will know when one or both of them will decide that they just want to have a night and they want to wake up and they want to wake each other up or they want to do X, Y, or Z. We always kind of joke that Sunday afternoons is like a nuclear waste zone because I don't know why they just turn into crab buckets if we haven't done anything all day. So that it's usually if we've woken up, we're constantly seeming to be in a reactionary state based on trying to keep these two somewhat of an even keel. I can't tell you the number of times I've just gone to Home Depot, put them both in the race car shopping cart, and walked around the store <laughs> just to get out of the house. <laughs> Not looking to buy anything. Not, just well, I mean, we, we got a lot of crap done in our house apartment. We got a lot of stuff done in my house this year because we just happened to walk around. I was like, you know. Yeah. Sheetrock is on sale this week. <laughs> the garage is looking a little gamely here. Um, look, to answer your question, Rob, I think we strive for a I think we strive for routine, and I think the kids strive for it. But I think increasingly what we're seeing, my wife and I, our flexibility and adaptability yeah. as people yep. is crucial to keep a routine going yep. for the kids. Good. Thanks. How about you, Garrett? Thankfully, aside from my five-month-old, five-month-old not having any sleeping pattern right now, he's up every hour to two hours. Um, aside from that, we have a pretty structured day. Be it you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My four-year-old goes to daycare, uh, and even you know just throughout th throughout the days of the week, it's pretty structured. I'm on. Uh, Liam duty, if you will. I'm, I'm with my four-year-old every day at about 6 a.m. till I start work. Annika is a stay-at-home wife, so she's on both kids throughout the day, unless Liam's at school. And then after work, um, I typically work on dinner, and then I uh, get Liam ready for bed every night at 7.30. We read the Bible, pray, go to bed, and then Annika and I have a little bit of us time for an hour or two before we go to bed. That's pretty much seven days a week. Yeah. So once we get Ivan on, once Ivan starts sleeping better, um, everything will be better. But pretty structured. Unintentionally, I mean, quite honestly, uh, Liam thrives on structure. 
So it makes it pretty easy and natural for us to say, you know, at this time we're doing that and what have you. But, uh, uh. Caleb? Well, as the newest dad here, I have my old, my only child is, uh, six months, oh, again, six months old this week. I think he's what, three days younger than Ivan? Something like that. Uh, we have attempted structure because we were told that structure is what kids thrive on. And Neil had other ideas. And so we've kind of just gotten into an adaptable, all right, let's just kind of respond to whatever the baby's cues are. And, you know, from what I'm understanding, again, really new at this, learning the, uh, learning, going through the uh, learning curve like everybody else did. Um, there really is no, uh, there really is no trying to control the structure and the patterns of a five month old baby. Um, we've learned what his, his sleeping cues are. We've kind of gotten an idea of when his moods are changing. So we can kind of tell when he's tired and he's ready for a nap. But between that and the fact that, you know, Paige from my wife and I, uh, we've never really been routine centric people. And so we've actually tried to make it more of a, we've tried to make it such that Neil can kind of have certain cues that, you know, it's time to do something else, i.e. we're putting him in a sleeper. It's starting. It's time to start getting ready for bed, regardless of where we might be. You know, we, I know some people that they have to be at home. Their kids have to be in their rooms at, you know, 7 o'clock or else nothing for the rest of the week goes well. That's just not who we are. Even if we wanted to be that, we're not those people. We're not the kind of people who live lives like that. And so we just try to make sure that Neil is comfortable wherever he is, whatever situation he's in, and we do the same. So um, our weeks are very, I don't want to say unstructured, but uh, things in our situations could change on a moment's notice just based on the people in our lives and the needs of the, the, needs of the day and uh, just how everybody's feeling. So um, the most routine that I have is usually, usually occurs before 8 a.m., um, I also, uh, show up at F3 a lot, uh, most, most mornings, um, F3nation.com. If you're interested in checking it all out, F3stcharles.com. If you're in the St. area. St. Louis, if you're down south, <laughs> where we're at today. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a podcast on that separately one of these days. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all be sure to show yeah. up. But after I get done with one of those, or sometimes in lieu of, uh, I'll head over to the gym and I'll go for a swim in the pool. It's my first love, and I've gotten back into the pool in the last couple of months, and it's been an absolute joy. Usually by the time I get home from that, though, that's when everything starts becoming chaotic, and it's okay. Let's see what the needs of the hour are. So, Okay, so you kind of alluded to this. Uh, This plays into my, my next question, and that's this whole idea of being a dad. So we know the biology behind becoming a dad, but we also know that there's more, a lot more to being a dad than mere biology. Share that story with me. I'm sure it's an ongoing story as your kids keep growing, but how have you learned to be a dad? Like who have you um, leaned into or relied upon? Maybe it's your instincts. Maybe it's your parents, your spouse, other resources. Like you guys are all kind of in the same boat. Maybe you've leaned into one another, right? I like to look at these guys, find out what they did well, do that, find out what didn't quite go right, and probably do that too, just because I try to do everything these guys do, because I want to be part of the club. 
definitely keep those same lenses as you go forward. <laughs> and make sure that you ask if you're questioning which side <laughs> certain activities and thoughts landed on. But, you know, you bring up a good point, though, Caleb, because I think there was a lot of anxiety when I first found out we were going to have our daughter because we were married for a month and then we found out, hey, kid's coming. So I went from 10 years of living by myself to I'm living with one woman and now here comes a second one all within the span of about 10 months here. Uh, so I have to assimilate rather quickly because I'm already outnumbered. Yeah. Amen. And so I tried to read a lot of books and I tried to like, okay, how do you do this? You know, you read blogs, you read all of this and that, you know, people try to tell you what this and that is. But when the night my daughter was born, or started to be. It was raining a thunderstorm. My wife came out. She said, hey, you know, I think we're needing this. She goes, hey, come here. Yeah. That whole deal. I'm like, at that point, I really realized I had no idea. It was like getting on Space Mountain at Disney World. It's a roller coaster in the dark. And I don't know what's going on. I'm just here to hang on and try my best. And since she was born the following day at 3.30... I've done my best to take a look at resources. These three here are great resources. More other guys that I poured into that have poured into me. But at the end of the end, Rob, I've been pleasantly amazed that through prayer, the good Lord has given me the instinct that maybe if I read something that says that shouldn't work for kids, but it happens to work for my kids, that's somehow seemed to work itself out. Yeah, good. I tossed my son around way more than a lot of mothers are comfortable that watch us at the park. Mm -hmm. But that makes that little boy so happy. And we have a bond. Yeah. And that didn't come from reading. In fact, everything I read said, don't do that. Yeah. But we have a bond and he trusts and respects that his dad will always, and has faith that his dad will always catch him. Yeah. Same way too. I kind of had the faith my heavenly father would catch me in these endeavors. Yep. Amen. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, being, I, I guess we'll say, privileged enough to become a father in my late 30s has given me time to observe my friends that are my age that became fathers in their early and mid-20s. So it, it gave me a perspective watching them and how they raised their children. Um, obviously, I have my own father that I've uh, modeled my patterns from um, some for the good, some for the worse, but I think that's pretty much everybody's story. Um, and also a lot of instinct too that, uh, you know, I, I did serve for a few years in one of the, the nursery toddler rooms uh, for, for a few years, um, about eight years ago, and some instincts came out then that I didn't even know were there. Um, and then having my own, uh, again, bouncing ideas, bouncing, okay, well, we see friends going this approach, friends going that approach. My sister does this approach. My parents did this. Let's try this one instead. Um, or even my instinct. Like I was, I remember yesterday we went to Kohl's to exchange some boots, just Natalie and me. And just kind of the, the way I was, fathering over her as we were walking through the walking through the parking lot walking through the store um i i kind of was taken aback and i 
in a split second, I was like, okay, when did this happen? <laughs> you know, when, when was it? Like, I feel like it was just recently that I was walking through just on my own, single, just power walking through coals, getting my, getting whatever I need to get there. And all of a sudden now I'm married and have a kid right here with me. And I'm that, you know, somewhat middle-aged man walking around with his two-year-old. So yeah. it was just, it's weird, but, but it's, again, it's kind of a combination of everything. Um, and by, you know, living and learning too, you, you know, you take one approach one day and realize, well, that didn't work, uh, or not, didn't produce the results that I expected it. So, um, what can we do tomorrow that's going to be different? So how comfortable or intentional are you all sharing like storage with one another in terms of like, here's an issue that I had to work through with uh, my child, or here's like a success that I've had to work through with my child. This fan group's pretty raw. Yeah. I mean, you should I see think the that, text thread. I yeah. think that's also why um, the bonds are strong Yeah, is there's not a lot of sugar coating. And to be honest with you, one of the things I love about this friend group is we're not all on the same page. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a lot of different, different perspectives, um, on the big rocks, on the things that matter in particular, uh, our faith, there's, we're, we're, we are all on the same page. Um, but parenting, um, it, you could pick any topic, uh, the type of, um, motivations that get us going you know that was one of the topics this week uh myself and another one of the guys just weren't on the same page with what motivates us and that's totally cool and fine it's it's awkward for some whenever you can have just like kind of raw like that's not my thing yeah but uh again that's why this group is is pretty close and on parenting in particular you know as caleb was talking about you know his style isn't, I have to have this pristine environment for my son to sleep in every single night. That's kind of what we do. You know, what we, he's got his brown noise. He's got his fan going, you know, like there's, there, there's that structure in place. So we're not on the same page, but quite honestly, it doesn't matter because that works for him and this works for me. And when we stand for the Lord, like that really doesn't change anything at all whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this because one of the common denominators that you did hit on was faith. How do you introduce your child, no matter what age they are, um, to your faith and then potentially their faith? How do you encourage that, especially with them being like at different ages? I'll start on this one. Uh, Ivan, my five-month-old, <laughs> it's it. Not a whole lot you could do. Re- reading <laughs> and prayer over him. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's that's really the most that we do with Ivan right now. And that's how Liam started. Uh, but do you think I, your other son sees you praying over Ivan? Oh, yeah. He yeah. prays over Ivan. Yeah. Go on. My, my four-year-old yeah. prayer. Um, it's part of the bedtime routine. Is, yeah. is uh, Typically, my wife is putting my five-month-old down. So after I brush Liam's teeth, we go in there. We give everybody a hug and kiss. And... We'll pray over Annika, my wife, and I. Um, but uh, uh, my four-year-old, as he's gotten older, and you're able to, he, he's able to start forming his own thoughts, and he can talk, and he can start really start growing his personality. Uh, it's more than just prayer, and it's more than just reading. It's teaching love, respect, and just h- h- how to live a godly life. Yeah, amen. We were at Walmart this morning, and you know, teaching him how to interact with the cashier. Say thank you when you get the receipt. Hey, buddy, you know, we're getting close to Thanksgiving. Say happy Thanksgiving. 
And then to see the cashier's face light up, like that's that's mm-hmm. spreading love, that's yeah. speaking life, and uh, that, that's what it's looked like with yeah. Liam. Yeah, good. Anybody else want to go next? Yeah, so, um, again, we Neil is just under six months. So he's five months old. Uh, can't really teach him deep theological truths. <laughs> You can't. I mean, we, we try. We've tried. He just. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't. He's just resisting. He's, I think he might be, uh, you know, predestined for. No, I'm not going to go down that road. But oh my. <laughs> from the time he, we found out that he was uh, he was going to be joining us, um, just like Garrett had had said, it was the importance of prayer. Um, there, there are some people who are gifted, uh, their spiritual gift is, is intercessory prayer. My mother is one of them. And so I know from the day that we found out that Neil was coming, his grandma started praying for him and we did too, but oh, that woman, if, if, if I was ever going to go into a battle or whatever, I wouldn't do so unless I knew my mom was praying for me. But likewise, um, you know, making sure that Neil is constantly being bathed in prayer. And for the record, she's actually praying for all your kids too. Good. That's that's uh, thank that, you. That's who yeah. she is. Yeah. Um, Can't have too much. No. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They have so many babies' first Bibles. It's hard to find one, but we found three, and so we actually rotate through the different uh, babies' first Bibles. And you know, just like Garrett was alluding to, we spend time reading, uh, you know, different Bible stories to them, and uh, just making sure that the the culture of Christian living is ever present in his life and in ours, you know, whether it be actually, you know, having Bible verses written on the wall of your house, um, you know, the God bless this mess po- uh, placards all over in the living room and stuff and saying grace before dinner. No, it's it's even more than, than that. It's living out your faith through the way you treat others. And one of the things we are so very blessed to have a very social, very extroverted little baby. And I've been trying to show, tell them that, you know, everybody you meet is a potential friend because every person that you meet is valuable in the eyes of Jesus. And even at his age, we try to show love and, uh, and acceptance and uh, friendliness to whoever we encounter. So that's, that's kind of how we're introducing him to those, those topics. Yeah, good. Good. Love it. Gentlemen, either one of you care to weigh in? You talk a good bit about modeling, and I'll give you a funny story of a couple of months ago. Uh, it was just a day that I kind of, just enough little trigger points. I was taking Nora somewhere in the car, and I got cut off, and I may, may, have, may or may not have said a word that started with D and ended with T. may have been two words, but I heard a little voice from the back seat echo the same word. And that was the first time it really caught me. And I almost said it again because I was so frustrated. <laughs> but it's really become pressed upon me is that we we try to model as best as what we can. We're gonna we're gonna fail. We're gonna have bad days. We're gonna have people that cut us off in traffic, but you know, we've got to rise above that. You know, we pray with we pray with both kids. Owen, he thinks it's just awesome if we all get in a circle before dinner and just wants to jump and hold people's hands. We've started to ask Nora to pray. Mm -hmm. And if anyone listening to this has not had their four, their five-year-old pray Mm -hmm. for them and the things they pray for, one, you will laugh and snort 
like mm-hmm. crazy, especially as you get close. And she's making sure that Santa Claus sleeps enough mm-hmm. to come out on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but also, too, the heartening things will be if one of your their siblings are sick and they ask for healing. Or if they notice that they haven't seen a family member in a while, that they come around soon. And what it illustrated for my wife and I is that she had to pick that up from somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we had to have modeled that for her. Yeah. And so I think modeling is probably the best way. She's at a stage now, the older one, she goes, why do we do this? Why do we do that? I now look at that as an avenue of saying, Nora, well, daddy prays each night because he wants God's love and grace for you and mommy and Owen. Yeah. And that's why daddy does it. Yeah. Good. Amen. Wasn't there somebody that said that kids are just like slobbery little mirrors to reflect yourself back to them, back to you. That's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it, uh, isn't it honestly really weird to like look at your kid, realize that they are that reflection of you, but it's almost a 30,000 foot view of yourself. At this point in time, he looks a lot more like his mom. Thank God. I continue to say that to everybody, and they say, "Oh, your kids are beautiful." I said, "Yes, they take after their mother because <laughs> their life would be a tough road to hell if they look like their father." <laughs> Brian, any thoughts? Modeling is uh, pretty pretty important and pretty, like I said, terrifying too, because uh, you realize, at least I do. Um whether it be driving, whether it be watching TV or something. And then I look over or, you know, glance over my shoulder and there's my two-year-old in the seat. Like, well, I hope she doesn't learn that when she's able to talk. She starts <laughs> talking more. And um, But but again, you know, we, we do try to instill faith Um you know, there we do have a couple of children's Bibles that we have. We've actually received two of them when she was born. And I told Jamie, I said, now we're going to have one that we read to her and then let her thumb through as she's old enough to thumb through it. There's going to be one that we keep away, you know, keep up in, in a way. That way they don't both get, you know, I want to keep one that's nice if she wants to read it later on in life. Um, and so one to, one to mess up and one to keep keep nice. And so there's that. We, you know, are going to church now most weekends. You know, obviously if she's sick, we can't or, or whatnot. But she's learning, you know, in the, in the preschool toddler's room at church about, about God and Christ as well. Um, they don't really teach a whole lot of Jesus and Cocomelons. So, so if you guys know of any... <laughs> Any children's YouTube channels that can incorporate more Christian living that be, let me know because um, she watches a lot of Coco Melon. What do you think about tomatoes and cucumbers telling vegetables, uh, telling Bible stories? I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing more of their stuff that I've heard they're making now. Um, yeah, Good. Um, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, Kyle, as a small group leader. Um, I've worked with kids from sixth grade all the way through high school. And the, um, working with sixth graders definitely has its challenges. But one of the most wonderful aspects of working with uh, the younger kids is when you ask them to pray. Their prayers are so raw, honest. It literally can bring tears of like joy and humility to you just when you hear them praying from the heart 
you know, the way I wish I could pray and not mm-hmm. worry about what it sounds like to others. It's, um, it's definitely one of the blessings associated with working with kids when they're in sixth and seventh grade. Passionately agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like it, when it, Kyle, whenever you're talking about that, I start thinking about the last four years with Liam and just the high, my, my most favorite moments, my least favorite moments. And that is absolutely, when we pray, that is absolutely time I don't take for granted. And it, some of them are, are just adorable. Like, Liam will pray and say, God, thank you for Saturn. Thank you for Mars. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I, like, I haven't covered the planets with him. You know, clearly, he's, he's, he's learned that at school or somewhere. But he's, but th- he's thanking God for his creation. Like, I will celebrate that. Yeah. And then when we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll drive past the wreck and he'll say something like, I really hope nobody's hurt. Mm. And I'll say, what do you want to pray for? Yeah. And then he'll just say, God, help them. And just so simple. Like, just so simple. But yeah, yeah those are just the sweetest, most, like, awesome yeah. moments. They are. It's authentic prayer at its best when you hear it coming out of your kids. Especially if it's a reflection of you all, the way you're raising your kids, how much more wonderful and awesome can that be? You know what? Going back to uh, going back to the Bible here, there's so much to be said about the purity of children and faith. You know, in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus does talk about uh, the kingdom of heaven belonging to uh, belonging to children. That if anyone wants to come to me make themselves like these little children. And I think that that right there is a perfect reflection of what he was talking about was, you know, the purity, the innocence, the raw, you know, just the, the rawness of it. Um, there is no, there is no uh, self-consciousness in the prayers of a child and there is no formality or structure. It's literally just put it out there up to God and let him do the rest. Yep. And as simple, as simple as possible. And I love that. Amen. So, how do you determine the division of labor between you and your spouse? Um, I know some of you have alluded to this already, but do each of your wives have a full-time job outside the home? Because obviously being a mom is a full-time job in and of itself. If so, how do you divide and conquer when it comes to child-rearing responsibilities? And on top of that, what do you do best and what does your wife do best? Any thoughts? Great question. Good. So my wife works about 35, 36 hours a week typically um, as a veterinarian. So there are two full days a week, uh, about a six-hour shift in midweek, and then every other Saturday, essentially. And so um, on those Saturdays that she works, it's daddy, you know, myself and Natalie going around and usually it's just going shopping and going to Taco Bell. And so anytime <laughs> she goes by, it, Jamie said every time that uh, they drive by Taco Bell, Natalie points up and says, dead dad. <laughs> <laughs> so Taco Bell, we, we actually just went there she yesterday. She doesn't call you Chalupa. <laughs> <laughs> so she's certain to make the connection that daddy means Taco Bell. So, um, uh, so, but, but when we're both at home, Tip again, there is still that preference for mommy for everything. Um, you know, there is a hey, dad, dad, where is he? Oh, hi, dad, dad, bye, dad, dad, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, 
And, and so, you know, Jamie, for the most part, will, you know, feed, bathe, clothe, um, and kind of play with Natalie while, if I'm in at home, you know, while I'm doing whatever else needs to be done. Um, you know, and obviously there are times that, you know, I will step in and help too, or typically it's when we're out at friends' homes and, uh, there's a diaper that needs to be changed and mommy will go, you know, Nat or Jamie will go, Hey, Hey daddy, you want to go change a diaper? I'm like, can't really say no, mm-hmm. but like, right. yep, I guess it is my turn. Yeah. So, um, do that often. Um, but again, with, with number two, run around the corner, uh, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more just kind of naturally, you know, unspoken. Okay, Ryan, you and Natalie do your thing because I got to take care of our, our son, you know, and got to make sure he's fed and everything. So um, I've been wondering about that now for a while. Like, okay, I wonder how that separation of, of work and responsibilities are going to change and how she's going to respond when mommy's not all of a sudden not as available as she's been. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point, one I didn't think of originally, but how well does the unspoken understandings work? Sometimes well, sometimes not so well. And, uh, and, and you know, it, 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 it really is just a, a requirement for communication, you know, and, yeah. you know, hey, can you help with this real quick? And, and that's either coming from my wife to me or me to my wife. Hey, you know, I'm sorry, can you, or, or whatnot. And that's going to become even more important when there are two children to take care of that. Hey, you know, I, I, I can't do this all. Can you, can you yep. help me here? And, um, how you know, comfortable are you initiating that conversation? Like I, I, I know we got two kids here now. They're, they're probably going to be coming to you a lot more than me. What can I do up front to help you out? You know, I, there are times that I feel like I'd be brave enough to bring that up. <laughs> uh, other times, I'm like, mm, let's just kind of see how we can go. Let's just wing it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do think I, I, I feel the daggers coming from the, the four of you here coming at me with your eyes. Like, uh, as a no, father and husband, sure. Ryan, you, no. you head of the household, you need to you need to initiate that conversation. So. Um, that's a very good question, though, and it's it's a, it's a topic and a conversation that I think we will be having sooner than later. Like, okay, now yeah. what was what is this going to look like? And yeah, as soon as she hears this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Jamie, I love you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be a little bit of trial and error, you know, as sure. as those with yeah. two children already yeah. can probably attest to. Uh, but then some that will be, you know, a deliberate conversation yeah. needs to be had. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Um, we were reflecting back on this past week and five years of marriage and kind of what were some of the most memorable moments. Probably one of them for both of us deals with this question. Uh, Nora was two to three weeks old. We had just gotten beyond everybody here at this table knows you've just gotten beyond that period where everybody's really excited to help. You got grandma's coming to spend the night. We've just gotten beyond the point of where everybody's gone home. Yeah. The new baby smells not quite gone, but the newness has started to rub away. So you're on your own. You're getting woken up in the middle of the night. Your wife's woken up in the middle of the night. 
Nora was screaming one night. I was trying to change her. My wife hadn't slept. She was fussing at me, and I turned and looked at her, and I said, look, you're not being honest with me with what you need, and mm-hmm. we don't have time Yeah, good. to... We don't have time to be playing a mental game between the two of us. This little baby, and I don't know where this came from. That's why I think it was divine. Yeah. This little baby doesn't care about our squabbles. This cares about being taken care of. And so we need to get on the same page and figure it out. And from kind of that moment forward, we've always had frank conversations. And my wife is a stay-at-home mom. She does some part-time fitness class teaching on the side. But primarily, we've always talked about Her primary focus is the kids, making sure that their emotional needs, for the most part, are met. They get some of that from me, but for the most part, they run to mommy. They want to be fed. They want to be cuddled. They want to be bathed, all that stuff. She also takes care of her home, and that is her domain from primarily cooking, cleaning. I'll do a load of laundry. She doesn't really want me to Mm -hmm. because, heaven forbid, I put the colors in with the lights or I put the wrong dryer setting on. What's wrong with that? Just kidding. Just <laughs> I, I will tell you, Rob, as a married man, there's infinitely number of things wrong with it. But as a bachelor, there is not. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know there was two sets of rules for laundry, um, married and unmarried. But she's always looked to me to for a couple of things. Number one, my job is to work. So when our daughter was real little, my wife stayed home. I worked two and three jobs so that she could do that. Yeah, and awesome. that was the division yeah. because we agreed together on the same page that it was very important for one parent to be there at home and thank God for my daughter it's my wife not me Um, I think if I was ever the state of parent we joke about this that my wife would come home from work one day the house would be a smoldering mess and I had kids would be out front and I would hand my kids to my wife and say "All right, see ya Um, but to me I think it's always been and we've been very lucky about it and I'm extremely blessed to have a wife that when we got married, she was in a little bit of a shell, but she's come out of that shell more. And every once in a while, we have to check each other on it and just say, hey, look, we need to be open and honest, and let's just get through this. Let's don't play the passive-aggressive games. If you need help, just ask for it. I'm the same way. I'll make sure the lights and the water keep going. You make sure the kids keep going, and we're going to figure out a way to do this together. Yeah, good. Good to hear that you recognize that and appreciate that in your life. I think that's awesome. Garrett, any thoughts? Yeah, if I, <clears throat> Annika and I have been together about 11 years, married for five or so. If I could give the younger me advice, um, I think it's natural for uh, folks to think or feel like I'm doing my 50%. But if I could talk to myself 10 years ago, I would say it's not a 50-50 game. You both need to be doing 60. And yes, obviously it's not 100%, but the point is both parties need to be trying to do as much as they can to take care of the other party. Um, so how do you do that without feeling a sense <laughs> well, I can't of... I can't say like, I'm great at <laughs> but, but that. You might but if I take notes real quick. Yeah, yeah. That's a goal. Yeah. Even when... Even when, you know, the scale, like objectively speaking, the scale is lopsided. So we didn't have kids right when we got married, but Annika was a stay-at-home wife. I was working, taking care of the house, paying all the bills, etc. So the scale was, objectively yeah. speaking, the scale was yeah. definitely lopsided at that point. Now we have two kids, and she takes care of pretty much everything for Ivan. Uh, while I'm working, she takes care of everything for Liam. So when it comes to child rearing, the scale is definitely, you know, tilted uh on, on 
her side, she gets a lot less sleep than I do now. So she's kind of bearing the brunt of it. Um, I still take care of all things financial and take care of the house, cars, what have you. Um, but I'm also a present father, as are all, all of these guys. And I think that is, um, it's an old notion that the man, child rearing is for women. I, I think that is a, a frame of mind, a, a thought that really needs to be broken. Um, in my opinion, that's absent fatherhood. Um, so I, I, I am as present as I possibly can be. Liam is my little project guy. You know, any project I'm doing, my four-year-old's there with me. Uh, does he have his own tool set? Have you got him like the plastic tools and all that type of he stuff? He does, but he'll also grab mine. I mean, yeah. he'll take my drill to the yeah. wall and... I've had quite a few drywall patches. Because <laughs> of but but anyway, hold the flashlight. Be that dad. I think it comes down to uh, effective communication, as these guys were talking about, uh, a lot of grace and trying to do more than your part. Like I do the dishes, I do half of the laundry. Um, like just if there's something to do, just do it. Don't expect the other person to do it. Uh, yeah. I think is what I'd tell myself 10 years ago. And if I may on that, yeah. And you would probably agree with this. What it is for couple A is not the same as this for couple B. There's a rhythm. Totally. To the two of you and, and, and a way that different things work and they yeah. fall together. And I think that's maybe a big point is you're kind of amazed at how if there's a common goal and all of these pieces are a part of getting towards that goal, they just kind of fall in place. I think that goes back to your point though about effective communication because if you're not communicating you don't know what that pattern or rhythm or expectation should be. Like if I'm just thinking that if I'm just thinking something versus talking to my wife about it chances are I'm missing the mark because let's be honest like Mm -hmm. it's really easy to miss the mark. So I think a lot of it comes back to grace because we're going to miss the mark and effective communication. So you kind of brought up uh, a topic that I hadn't really originally thought of, but you all are such close friends. Um, you see how kind of the, the rhythm between different couples, what works for one another, what doesn't. How do you like admire and respect what's taking place for one couple um, without feeling like then you have to try to uh, incorporate that into your own marriage or your own relationship? And how do you keep from like drawing comparisons where it's unhealthy that you draw comparisons? Well, I'll tell you what, it's really hard not to draw comparisons with this group of guys. I'll tell you what, these guys are so far advanced successfully in every other aspect of life, it's really hard to not aspire to be just like them. Well, maybe there are healthy comparisons. How do you keep it from from getting to be unhealthy then? That's a good question. Just I, I talk, Monica and my wife, we, 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 we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Because it's really easy. It's really easy. For those thoughts to creep in your mind and be like, well, so, and not just you yeah. know mar- marital stuff. Right. Why, why yeah. did so and so get that promotion? Yeah. Or why does so and so have such an easy life? Yeah. They were born into such a great family. Look at my road. Yeah. And you start drawing those comparisons, and it just tears you down. Yeah. Amen. It, it yeah. like envy is rooted in that. Yeah. Jealousy is rooted. In, like so many nasty yeah. things come from that. Um. <laughs> gosh. Uh, how do you prevent it though? Maybe that was your question. I. Accountability partners. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it com- probably comes back to having healthy folks in your life that can hold you accountable to, you know. Yeah. Honestly, is I think for myself, 
I do see these guys. I see the successes. I see the the advancement. I see the way that they are looked up to, not only by um, <clears throat> by each other, but also by outsiders. And it's hard to not aspire to that. And comparison does creep in. But the cool thing is, we love each other so much that we're genuinely happy for these successes, rather than envious that it wasn't us. Yeah. Like yeah. I celebrate every time that you know Kyle or Ryan get get new opportunities, or you know Garrett talks about golfing in Southern California at Christmas time. <laughs> you know, it's I'm genuinely happy for him. And yeah, it'd be nice to be able to to uh, to say that about myself. But you know, one day. In the meantime, I love being able to celebrate these guys because they are my brothers. These guys are, and we've been through so much life together that, you know, it's not just their successes. They're also celebrating mine whenever yeah. they do come. So yeah. that's good. I'm going to push back on you because sometimes I think you are quick to give praise to others without looking in the mirror enough yourself. And so what I would say to that is, from my perspective, as I've become a father and watched you become a father, you've taught me a lot better ways to interact with my kids than what I had modeled for me growing up. And I want you to know that because that helped me, especially because I had a son that is not too far older than yours. Mm. Okay. The daughter, she was the test project. <laughs> <laughs> but the son, you get it. And I think and we can maybe get into this a little bit later on because this is a group of dads and then, you know, everybody soon is going to have a son and what that relationship looks like. Because my relationship with my dad growing up was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I don't take much from it. There are some great points I take from it, but there was, especially early on, I had to interact. There wasn't a lot of great things there. I want to call that out in you. You, on the other hand. Pointing at Ryan. Pointing at Ryan. Hmm. Being around you and your spirit made me a lot more comfortable with who I was as a dude. Because you are very comfortable with who Ryan is. And it comes out that way. You may not believe that, but it comes out that way. And I always tell people, and my wife agrees, that Garrett's the guy that I want to be when I grow up because he's far smarter at me at fixing things. I marvel at what this guy can do. That might be any man. Yeah, well... You know, I do something in my house and I go over to Garrett's house and go, shoot. <laughs> I got a ways to go. More importantly than anything, she goes, it's really, my wife says it's really cool that you and Garrett know each other because out of everybody in our friend group of how they parent, she goes, I feel like you and Garrett are very close. And it gives you a little bit of confidence that you may not be, quote unquote, the, the newer age dads. But she goes, from my book, you and Garrett are old school dads, and I dig it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I would love at a, another venue or another opportunity to talk about what it looks like to be dads trying to raise boys in our current culture and environment. But I think yeah. that, that could be its own separate podcast. Because uh, there's a lot of chance. You're going to need a bigger there. battery than that thing. <laughs> um, one thing I would also like to say, I had a couple of um, inspirations and catalysts behind me starting this podcast, and Caleb was one of them. He was the first one who volunteered to be a guinea pig. And really, you were the one who prodded and kept encouraging me, are we going to get together, are we going to get together and do it? And because I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> none whatsoever. And so really, these three guys right here with Caleb kind of being the tip of the spear 
is what uh, encouraged me to jump in without having the slightest idea what I was doing. And uh, I'm glad I did. So I appreciate that. Pre- appreciate all of your friendships. Well, thanks for having us. Thank we really appreciate you and uh, all that you've poured into us. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, ultimately, we are at, at a particular stage in life, and you've been through that stage in life. And so whenever we do find ourselves up a certain creek without a certain paddle, we know there's one guy we can always call. <laughs> yeah, probably been up that creek several times, actually. <laughs> um, so let's talk everybody's favorite topic, technology. Yeah. <laughs> How do you decide what sort of technology to introduce your kids to and when? Or do you find society makes that choice and decision for you? You talking about before we had kids or now that we do have kids? Before we had kids, I swore up and down. No tablets. No no videos. Maybe maybe a couple minutes a day, but not definitely not thirty plus minutes a day and no, no, they're not gonna be watching movies in the car when we're going from the store to home. You know, there's why. Um, thankfully we haven't gotten that far yet with, with any car, any car ride, but, uh, there are some words that I'm eating right now, now that I have a two year old. Um, and like, like I mentioned earlier, there is the, the, the presence of melon in our household, um, which is one of those, again, children's nursery rhymes, song channels, and it's. Kind of catchy, and actually, if you're an adult looking at them, you realize how realistic they really are. Like, mm-hmm. the expressions the parents give each other is, is like, huh, that's real. I mean, that that's accurate. Um, I mean, I do still think she gets more screen time than I would prefer, you know, and I, I will see families um, in public, whether it's at the store or it's uh, at restaurants and their kids ranging from two to 16. They either have their handheld right there with them that they're zoning out to, or they have headphones. They're just completely ignoring everything else going on. And I, I, I see that and I think I, I don't really want that to be my kids. Um, but at the same time, how easy is it for us now with the way technology is so readily available to just even, you know, we, we all go out or we, we spend time together in each other's homes and at, at any given moment there's two people out of six that are just looking at the phone casually. And it's become such a major part of everyone's life nowadays that it's, you wouldn't think much of it anymore until you really start noticing, like, wow, you know, when did we let this take over and control so much of our, of our life? And, um, and that's why I'm thankful for toys and thankful for books at home that, um, that she's got that, you know, I, and she loves to go out in the back deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loves it out there. And, and I'm thankful for that. She's, I mean, of course she hears the, the bumblebee or whatever it is in Cocomel in the opening sequence, she hears that buzzing around. She's like, oh, and everything. Like, she forgets everything else. She hears that. But, um, yeah, it's technology stuff. And, you know, that that's, that brings up a question about that. You know, when we were growing up, there was not nearly the proliferation of technology that there is now. Tablets were a thing that were only seen in Star Trek. And, oh, that might be some neat futuristic technology. And now there are multiples in most homes. 
my question is this. How often are people using electronic babysitters, i.e. the TV or tablet or whatever, so that they themselves can spend time on their electronic devices? Yeah, your, your question is uh, conceptually in the same ballpark as what I was thinking, which is technology isn't inherently evil or bad, but it's how it's used and the reason why it's used. Yeah. I, I, I agree with your question. I mean, I am and have been a geek for my entire life, and I'm, I will always have technology, like, in my house, on me, around me. Like, it, it's it's part of me as, as an individual. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't prevent me from connecting on a personal level with, you know, my friends, my family, my kids, what have you. And that's kind of the boundary. For instance, the, the way we manage Liam, Liam's got an iPad, and I have no problem with it. Uh, anything that's STEM related, no time limits. If if you wanna if you wanna dig into education and learn how things work and grow your mind, let's go. Like I'll play the games with you. Uh, I'll teach you the basics of software engineering because there, there are games like uh, CodeSpark that do that great for four year old. Like let's go, let's make this happen. Are you saying your four year old programming apps? Well, <laughs> does that shock you? Not, not even a little bit. They, they learn basic things like uh, for loops and. Um, how to increase a counter on a loop, like pro- basic programming concepts, but in a very fun way for a four-year-old. Like, yeah, let's learn that. Uh, the non, the, the apps that don't grow um, his mind, there's 30 minutes a day where you can have fun on whatever whatever app you want. You get 30 minutes of YouTube or, you know, 15 minutes of YouTube and 15 minutes of fun game. Cool, 30 minutes a day. More than that, personally, I start to get a little uncomfortable because if you allow more than, for us, if we allow more than 30 minutes, it's really easy to just be like, oh, I should go all day and then I'll be able to get to do whatever I want to go do. Yeah. And then you're not pouring into your kids. You're not going outside. You're not, you know, doing whatever. So so to zoom this out a little bit further with what you were talking about with STEM versus just regular stuff, how often, too, as adults, do we interact with technology that is not necessarily fruitful for us? Yeah. I'll raise my hand right here real quick. And enough people told us we needed to watch Yellowstone. So my wife and I started watching Yellowstone. That is absolute trash for your brain. <laughs> it is absolute trash. But the scenery is cool. I grew up in a farming type of community, ranching type. This is fun to like point out to my wife and say, yeah, I remember doing that, that, that. I don't remember doing that. Hmm. But I think the same, it's same, the same thing's true for kids. We could watch documentaries. We could watch a seminar. I mean, there's so many things out there on improving your marriage that yeah. you could get to. That, you know, honestly, we should be watching live. But if we don't curb some of the junk that goes in, um, both for ourselves and for our kids, we're not very good parents if we binge watched, you know, four or five hours of junk versus, and we took like two to three hours to like watch a marriage seminar and it gave us some thought provoking concepts to talk about. The other thing I will say with the technology, sometimes I'm like Ryan. There's a lot of crow I have eaten hmm. because every once in a while with the things going on and the pressures that you have as a younger parent where you're trying to get your career on track to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about maybe there's a little bit of comparing going on. Sometimes as a parent, I'm not ashamed to admit, I just kind of need, my wife kind of needs a little bit of a break. But that's a point... That, that, that's an instance. That's not a pattern. 
That's true. So, like, if you're on a but long the, road trip, like, I, I don't have an issue. Right. Like, if they're freaking out. Oh, yeah. Like, and Blippi is their thing. I'll put Blippi on to just calm the crying so that the other 160 people on the airplane don't start throwing darts. So, <laughs> yeah, you bring up a good point there. Coming back from Florida last year, where it became a deal of where, okay, look, this will be a disaster if we try to stop and find a hotel room. You got delayed in traffic for two to three hours. You know what? There's a DVD player back here. I don't care if Frozen plays five times over. Right. We've got to get through. But I think, too, it's like you don't want... I think maybe the struggle is, at least for me, trying to make sure that occasional doesn't become the norm. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think, much like we are as adults, it's a very fine line to dance because it's so easy to tip over it. Do you notice in your kids that like if they don't get their technology, does it impact their behavior? Like, do they get, um, or if they get too much technology, Boom. do you find it? Okay. Yeah. Too, too much is definitely a wreck. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, not, no technology actually is not a wreck at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. At least for, for Liam, like if, you know, I'll, I'll wake him up early and, you know, we need to go buy some lumber or we just need to go do whatever. He's, he's game. He's good. Yeah. Um, but he's an absolute wreck. And by wreck, I mean, will not listen to anything. He's intentionally deviant. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 And to his point as well, too, what I, what we found is, is that especially earlier in the day, it, it, it's almost kind of like a hit of a drug for mm-hmm. them, so to speak. Yeah. And that the effects last yeah. throughout the day. Yeah. Later on in the evening, I mean, it's the thing that kind of messes it with it. And we don't we kind of have a hard rule of like no screen time after. It's kind of like adults and coffee. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to bed, don't drink a cup of coffee after two in yep. the afternoon. Good. Is that your thing? But like if she starts out her day, and we found this a lot more when my son was younger and I was working more from home during the pandemic. And like I had to work. Mm-hmm. And my wife had to take care of the little guy. And absent of someone kind of interacting with her, she got a lot of show time. Mm-hmm. And if she got a lot of show time, like early in the day, heaven help you yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so we've kind of figured out that part of it is too, like, if you need to have her be quiet for 30 minutes here or there, not terrible. She gets much longer than that. This is going to take a couple of days to detox from. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we probably only have time for one more question and... Since Ryan's kind of hinted at this a couple of times, I'm going to ask you kind of a silly question. Who or what is your favorite kid show or kid's character? For extra points, if you can sing or hum the first time <laughs> of your favorite kid's theme show. Oh, jeez. Bang it out. Anybody want to go first? Like our, our personal favorite kid? Either you or your, your kid's favorite, but yeah. Take it, take it any direction you want to. Well, for Natalie, it's buzz, buzz, boo 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 Coco Melon. Do, 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 do. Oh, and then all the songs start coming, you know. Uh, you got the grasshopper and the, and, the, and the ants. Then you got Taurus and the hare. And you've got JJ's older brother and the older sister. And then you got uh, Blippi. <laughs> I had to pull up YouTube Kids because I legitimately don't, like, mm-hmm. Blippi's the first hit. Go figure. Yeah, gosh, that's a tough one. I did this with the girls, and they sang some sort of ride-along 
Does that sound familiar? No, thank you. Know, I, I couldn't couldn't sing it for her because I'm not familiar with kid shows, but yeah. <laughs> Liam, honestly, he digs. Yeah, he likes Blippi, but he, on Disney Plus, he likes the animated Marvel mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, Spider Man, right. right. Spider Man right. is his jam. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, when he's older, I'll introduce him to the classics like Tool Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll get there one day. So speaking of the classics, I actually just discovered that the old Warner Brothers show Animaniacs is on Hulu. Oh, yeah, and not only the original, the classics they actually relaunched it. They got all the same voice actors to come back. They brought they they did a revival, and it's they're they're two seasons into the new series now, and it is just as glorious as the original. And so I was like, okay, Neil is too young to appreciate this because, again, five months old, he's more of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse thing. And I'll tell you what, every time we put on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and that baby sees Mickey show up on screen, his little tiny face just lights up. He is so excited to see Mickey. So, you know, there's a plug for, you know, Disney Corporation. If, you, if anybody from Disney is listening to this, you know, love some tickets, thanks. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I'm looking forward to the day when, you know, those old – Old nostalgic uh, cartoons, that, you know, Saturday morning cartoons that, that I grew up watching, and I'm pretty sure you guys did too. Um, they are able to be shared with with, uh, with with my son. Rob, you're obviously a father. What was it like for you or your kids? Um, so I remember like my earliest childhood memory was a black and white show of the Three Stooges. Ah. (laughs) My earliest memory, thinking back as a child. I'm very intentional with my granddaughter that whenever um, Papa's over there, we don't watch any TV. We're always, they have a park currently across from their apartment. That's I always take care of and we always do active things. And I think I'll always be intentional about trying to have it be very relational. Mm -hmm. And since I only get to spend a limited amount of time with her, I'm not into the, the, the video stuff. Maybe if they have a boy later on down the road, he wants to play games. I'm yeah. sure. But for right now, it's I'm very, I couldn't even recognize like any of the, the games that they have or the any of the, the cartoons that they have up on their um, monitor whenever I get there, and it's always interactive with John and me. So, um, so one thing I'd like to do, I think I've only done this on one other podcast, is closing prayer. You guys are comfortable? Absolutely. I can start, and then uh, feel free to, to jump in and leave. But, uh, Father, I'd like to pray a special blessing over these men, um, that you guard them and protect them in their roles, not only as fathers, but also as husbands, and that uh, ultimately they learn to love you fully with their heart, their soul, their mind, and their physical strength, that you bless each one of them in their role, and that ultimately not only that they point their kids and their wives and their friends to you, but everybody that they come in contact with you. Lord, thank you for these men. The relationships have uh, grown over the years, and Rob in particular. Uh, I've had such joy getting to know Rob over the last decade and seeing him pour into, at this point, probably hundreds of men. And so many great relationships have come from that. Thank you for blessing Rob with so many gifts and and letting him know what his gifts are so that he can grow your kingdom. Thank you for accountability partners that don't always think the same way so that they can help us grow and uh, love each other better. Lord, as we uh, continue to navigate the waters of parenthood, 
fatherhood. We just want to thank you for always setting the example as to what it means to be a perfect father. Help us to reflect your love to our children and then follow your examples as we, uh, as we are uh, fathers to, to our kids. Lord, may we help our children become self-actualized, to find their purpose that you created them for, help celebrate that. Heavenly Father, what I ask of you is, is that for every dad here, every grandfather here, um, we are constantly in a state of spiritual warfare against the outside world. Amen. And may each and every man here wake up each and every day, put on his armor, grab his sword, and be prepared to fight with everything that he has to defend the people he's entrusted with, defending, nurturing, and loving. Yeah, amen. And Lord, thanks again for uh, providing these men uh, for myself, and I'm sure they can they have the same things as well to, to help us strengthen each other, to, to be our sounding boards and, and everything with life, with work, marriage, children. Uh, thank you for that. Pray that you keep, allow us to keep close and to continue these conversations, discussions, um, and to continue pouring into each other like we do. And in the, the, the name of a great theologian, we'd like to thank you. It was either for the planet Saturn or Jupiter. I can't remember which one. <laughs> we pray all this in your son's name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you, guys. I appreciate thank each you. one of you. Appreciate, appreciate it. you guys. Um, everybody out there in Podville, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate everyone for listening. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. To all of our other listeners, this has been another episode of Real Friends.